Welcome back to another Full Metal RPG episode 48. I'm your host, Adam Sink. With me, as always, my co-host, the other host, the host with the most, Brendan Carrion. What up? Not much. How are you doing? You know, dude, I'm doing all right. You know, it's, uh, you and I have been really busy, have we not? We've been super busy. There has been a lot going on. We, we did this, we, we, we started a Patreon. If you we guys, started the Patreon. If we haven't reminded you guys about that Patreon, we did start a Patreon. Yep, we're like rats with the lever. We're going to keep hitting that okay, lever. Keep hitting that lever. And we both promised we were going to like write a bunch of shit for it, right? Yep. And uh, the thing about writing shit is that, it, you know, it takes more time than you think it's going to. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, I just, I've been cranking it out, dude. Lots of pages. So <laughs> You definitely went, we're kind of hitting that first one hard. Yeah, so. yeah. So there's going to be a high page count for issue one on horrorism. Um, Mine won't be as high, but uh, hopefully it'll be focused and, and it's, it'll, it's getting there. So get it ready, get it out, and hopefully it'll be... It'll be good, and people will have it in their hands roughly around the time they listen to this. So, well, yeah, maybe. we'll see. <laughs> Depends on how quick. I don't think you'll have it in their it. hands. Well, no, yeah. Um, I mean, you'll have it on your screens. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, if you are listening to this, then you essentially have about twenty-four hours before the Patreon closes for the month of May. Right. So, if you want to get those May issues in either physical or digital copy, ju- just stop what you're doing go over to your computer pledge on patreon at these at the, at the level requisite to get the game materials you're gone forever after that <laughs> well i think i think that i'm planning on doing 20 issues yeah and then there'll be some so that whatever is left over i think we'll put up on the uh the web page right for sale right. so you could also get it that way um and there will be a few i think left over so yeah probably yeah yeah did I just did I just Im- admit how the b- embarrassingly low issue count there's going to be? There's going to be 20 of them, you know, for like the two dozen people on the planet who give a shit about what I have to say. Dude, it's the underground shit. So underground. So underground. <laughs> so, underground. so underground. It's been buried. It's like, it's like when you go to a, a, a club and you're listening to a band and there's like two other dudes there and they're like, yeah. yes. And you're like, is that guy playing a theremin? What yeah, the hell? It's a, it's a theremin run through a distortion pedal being broadcast through a cathode ray TV. It's avant-garde, man. You won't uh, understand it. Normies don't get our underground shit. Anyway, so we've been really busy. And, we've been uh, super busy doing a lot of stuff. We got shirts back in the store. We do. So if you want shirts, hit us up. We got yeah. them out there. Yeah, the store is going to be populated again here very soon. So um, get your Full Metal RPG gear. And uh, be looking for your Patreon backer rewards. By the way, Full Metal RPG on Patreon. So, um, Adam. Yes. W- uh, what has been constituting all of this busyness, man? We've been doing. We had Full Metal RPG Club last night, right? Yeah, Full Metal RPG Club last night. I went out to New Mexico on the week before that. Uh, we had Full Metal RPG Club the week before that. We've been working on the Patreon stuff. I went off and was working on like a little side project thing that kind of spun out of the Writers Club deal. Oh yeah, and are we gonna have that available? We're gonna put that out on for the Patreon backers only. I figure we'll wait until the month funds, and Is then we this... can make it available to everybody. So okay, okay. So 
in May. Okay, and then yeah, we'll it, just and post then that, anybody that silly little thing that I wrote up. And, okay, yeah, it's yeah. a one-page game, right? Two-page game. I uh, two or three-page game. Yeah, it's pretty and short. It's very, uh, it's very kind of like tongue-in-cheek, super and, tongue-in-cheek, and you have to kind of like see the world in a certain way to appreciate the humor there's a possibility i i I hope not i i i I think that there might be i think that the listeners of this podcast will get it i think they'll get it and if you don't get it then well whatever (laughs) sorry how to help you at that point yeah exactly yeah fucks given equals zero um all right uh what what's been cracking at the at the club, man? At the club. The, so you've been the, running your World of Darkness game, and I was running Mutant Year Zero again, which we've had like a you get a fairly set attendance at yours, and mine kind of like vacillates <laughs> with people coming in and out, which you, actually yeah. works great in Mutant Year Zero because it's the concept is the arc. But so you had you had seriously like eight people or something. There were last five night. people. I it had five seemed people like yesterday. eight. There were five people. I counted eight. It was uh, it was Eric Hazel, Stephen, um, uh, Joe, who was new, um, and then as always, ride or die, Michael Collette. He was there as well. So yeah, that's eight. That's not eight. <laughs> it might be. So it was it was the six if you count me. Um, yeah, so I ran Mutineer Zero, and that was kind of the aftermath of this uh, the slave revolt, which actually only one person at the table was there for that and he was the one who had decided not to not to interact with that or not to become embroiled in that and so that was kind of this thing that was going on in the background and then they all decided to go out and deal with other things because they were he had mentioned oh well there's this place with these traders that we could possibly go to and there's this tank that we found and do we want to go look at that stuff so they went out to go deal with that stuff kind of leaving everything in a in a slow broil in the background with what was going on at the Ark. So, and Michael Collette came back and he would been lost in the zone. He was the stalker or whatever, right? Yeah, he's the stalker and he had been lost in the zone. And so he came back just like poisoned with radiation sickness and like basically dying. Um, And so they had to uh, bring him back and nurse him back to health. Nice. Did you have fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's always a fun little game to run. Yeah, I can always tell. Just kind of seeing how people approach the game. Mm, Yeah, yeah. In uh, World of Darkness, uh, things got a little weird. Um, it's interesting because one of the reasons I run this game is it was my failed novel where the the characters didn't behave in the way that I thought was like natural. So we actually hit that point in the in the story in the role playing game, right? So the actual the characters being given free reign by me to do whatever the fuck they wanted because they're players now. Um, had this opportunity to kind of like make of it what they would. And we had a really hard time kind of getting things going. The, the player characters were feeling the same sort of like disassociation that the characters in the novel did. And there was no clear way forward in my game. And um, like the characters have just been like um, set up into killing a vampire, which is like a high crime in their society. So they've been framed and they're on the run from like the human law and from the vampire law, and they're deep in enemy territory. And uh, I think that they kind of got a little bit overwhelmed because there's like so many factors against them, and they say they were so much on their own. Um, the first time I ran the game, I I did things in a different order, where uh, 
there's like radio silence after they do the, the the killing and then they call one of their contacts and then their contact is all pretending to be their friend and trying to get their location out of them and then comes to assassinate them. And I had forgotten that I did it in that way the first time. So in this in this one this time I ran it the the people who they're the assassins like essentially called them up and was like yeah, I think I did. The, I think I did this to to keep the the plot moving forward. Initially, shouldn't have done it. Terrible idea. Terrible. Having the assassins call you up and saying we're coming to assassinate you, basically just sends the party into like this catatonic terror. They didn't really know what to do, and the whole session ended up just being like us trying to get to another place where there would be a legitimate conflict that we could role play and uh we were down Dwayne, who i think is like a really natural and kind of gifted crime gamer and uh so some of the like ideas that the players were having just didn't just they didn't feel very crime movie like so i was really missing Dwayne in that time and then one of the other players who i kind of rely on when I'm when I'm casting out, you know, as a GM, you're casting and you're looking for somebody to, like, grab onto. Like, his character got neutralized in a car accident really quickly, so he was kind of incapacitated, alive, but incapacitated. And right. So, long story short, I was starting to get a headache, and the session was kind of bumbling along, and we got to a spot where there was kind of like a Vince Gilligan kind of, like, cliffhanger that I could throw in there, and I just didn't. It was a short session. Yeah, that was kind of similar to mine. We actually were running a little long. It was around, it was get past 8.30, and I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm feeling really tired. Yeah. Run down, and they got to this point where they found the uh, these other mutants, the Gen Lab Alpha mutants, or the animal mutants. Like, Yeah, the anthropomorphic had, guys. Yeah, that had been kind of wandering around. They had heard rumors about them, and um, Colette's, uh, Michael's character, actually, when he was lost out in the zone, they actually found him and kind of nursed him back to health so he could work his way back to the Ark, and he fed they found them again out there and and i had this thing where they're they're essentially like facing each other and and kind of like getting ready to to have a dialogue it wasn't where i wanted to end the session um i was kind of hoping to end the session with um with one of the bosses basically like violently taking over the arc but I didn't quite make it there. They didn't spend a lot of time in the arc this time, so yeah, it happens. But yeah, you know, for sure, the, I could. It seemed from watching your table like everybody was having a good time, yeah. so it looked it looked really fun. Um, so why don't you like tell me about this New Mexican thing, man? I, we we have Mexican. some kind of interesting shit, right? Like Adam and I have done some kind of off the beaten path type shit. So what? Tell me about New Mexican. So New Mexican, uh, we sponsored. We sponsored Sarah Doomringer's room, Blood Spattered Brides. Uh, mm-hmm. So we were gonna go out there to support that. They had a, a party on Thursday night. Um, I decided I was gonna drive because I couldn't find plane tickets cheap enough. Uh, it's about a seven hour drive. If you just kind of six and a half, seven hours, if you just hard charge it. Um, and I had this idea, well, if depending on the route I take, I can stop places and I can, and I can eat and I can take like a nice leisurely way there. And maybe it'll take me like eight, nine hours to get there. Then I got in the car and I just hard charged it. Fool. (laughs) Cause fool. I just started going and I was like, man, every stop I make, I'm losing time. You're losing time. And I could be there because the cons on Friday started Friday night at eight. Yeah, man. And they're an hour ahead of us. And I left at like 
ten. So from from just years of driving back and forth between California <laughs> and and Arizona. Uh, and Arizona, and then if we want to go back to see Heather's family, they mm-hmm. they're in Santa Clarita, which is about an hour outside of L.A. Right. So it's about that same seven hour drive, mm-hmm. and like by the last that last half hour, forty five minutes, that seven hour drive, You're it's going just like crazy. Yeah, man, yeah. it's just like you just want to jump out of your skin. But I got there in time. Long story short, I got there in time. And so I got in, and when I got there, I got into a DCC game, uh, which is like the first time that I've played DCC proper at a table. Oh, with other were they people. doing a funnel? They were doing a funnel. So it was How like was a, it? the Moon Sisters Furnace or something like that. So what I will say is the guy who was running it uh, had sheets, and he was giving everybody zero level characters. And then two of the players at the table. I want to say there were six p six players at the table. He gave first level characters, and I think that was a mistake because they were so much more powerful and so much more capable than everybody else's characters that effectively we all kind of just stood behind them and let them do everything. Uh, there's like no spotlight time as they call it. There now. was no spotlight time. And so effectively it was just kind of like, and I wasn't even trying to role play because that's not what DCC is about. Well, n- at least not at the zero with level. Right. DCC at a funnel level is the crunchiest of crunch games um, where it's all traps and dice rolling. And if you don't make your check, you die. Um, did you die? Oh, yeah. I lost a guy. Uh, so one of my guys actually passed his check to not die from one of the traps. I had an orphan character who I decided was like very meek and timid, and she just didn't do anything. She let everybody else go ahead. She was always in the back um, until the very end when she <laughs> decided that, to just leave everybody and run through this portal because they had all like decided to engage the thing, leaving her free to just skirt around and run out, um, which I felt was was probably true to how she had interacted with the world because they were like they were making fun of her being like an orphan the entire time um and then uh and then i had a a blacksmith and a rope maker the black the rope maker did okay the blacksmith got killed by another character who got one of those things where it's like oh the the you know the these things like take over your brain and have you attack another character ah and so the basic conceit of it was there's this moon goddess uh and then she had these three children who were siblings the, the the daughters of the moon goddess the sisters of the moon or whatever and she's been fragmented across all of these bodies um and you all have this like glowing crescent moon birthmark and so this funnel is basically existing to kill all of you so that they can reconstitute the moon goddess <laughs> um, and so we made it like a couple of my characters made out a couple other people made it out but having the first levels there i think really changed the the flow and kind of the tenor of the game. But you must have enjoyed it because you came back and bought a DCC core book. Yeah, I've been meaning to get a DCC core book for a long time. And after I played it, I was kind of like, okay, I want to see how this works because I'm not sold on the ideal of the funnel. Um, Like, I think it's fun. I think it's good for cons. I don't know if it's something that I'd want to leverage if I were to run DCC long term. Like as a campaign. As a campaign. Uh, I'd like a lot more of that, like, hey, let's collaboratively world build and establish relationships between people uh, rather than, like, I'm going to throw a bunch of randos together. You are just so not into the OSR. You're just the anti-OSR guy. <laughs> Is that oh, what I am? I don't God, know. Yeah, dude. But, oh, but, uh, my Jesus. So, anyway, I'm going to check. I, I bought that, and and so I'll check it out. We'll see how it goes. And, and um, it goes. 
So I played that. But so what was the con like? So it was the like con, I mean, so um, you're in Albuquerque, right? Right, and they have it at a hotel. Right, they have it at a hotel. It's the MCM Elegante, and so um. But anyway, they had it at this hotel. It was a nice little hotel. I showed up, and there's a Ten Commandments statue outside the front door when, <laughs> as you walk up. And I was like, oh, what have <laughs> I, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> um. Then I went inside. And it's a lot of the Magpie Games people there, Mark D.S. Truman, right. and, uh, and that crew like put it on. Um, and so I went inside, and uh, they had their area set up, and it was, um, they had like the area next to the restaurant, and then there was this ballroom off to the side, uh, and in that ballroom were these, uh, these um, Vietnam vets and legacy vets biker gathering. So there was a biker gathering right next door to the role-playing gathering. That's like so so New Mexico right there. Yeah, which seems like a bad mix, but I was like, all right, fine. I'll leave that alone um, and just try to stay out of their way. It was interesting because they kept like coming in and trying to see what was going on. Um, and so uh, that was Friday night. I left pretty late. Um, and then uh, stayed with a really nice guy, David, out there. He let me put me up at his house, so thanks for that. It was really cool. Um, super nice guy. And, uh, and then, um, I went to the next day we got up and we went in and it was still very early and I was kind of like bedraggled from lack of sleep and that drive. So I didn't, I didn't participate in the first session. I kind of like took it easy and and did some like self-care stuff and kind of just got my bearings again. And then, uh, the midday session, I decided I want to run something. So I, I, they had a mustering system and the mustering system was, if you want to run something, you grab a little whiteboard and you write the name of your game and how many players you're looking for. Now, it's a big whiteboard that's viable, visible to everybody. There is a big whiteboard that's visible to everybody. And okay. so what it is is you have a badge. And then you've got a, like another badge, like a like a symbol. Okay. And it's like a Diamondback or a Roadrunner or a Yucca or something. And then those are the order of who gets to pick uh, first. So it's like, oh, Yuccas go first, then Diamondbacks oh, and get it's second like a, choice. Oh, and it's like a lottery. Right, so it's kind of like a lottery. So everybody's holding a little badge, and they'll pull one up, and they'll say, okay, all the Diamondbacks issues. Oh, it's not even that. It's like, who wants to play? So you'll pitch. They go, everybody pitch your game. And you go up there, and you're like, I'm going to run um, Tales from the Loop. It's in the 80s. There's this Transformer-type show, and it's like, these are the cool new toys, and da 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 and, da, da. and then they go, they go to the next person, like, what's your game about? And the person's like, oh, well, I want to run Mouse Guard. He's Mouse. You're very heroic. You have to protect your kingdom, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. Make it to me, and they're so like, So everybody pitches run? their shit. Right, yeah, everybody pitches. And so you pitch your game. Okay. Um, and then they go, okay, cool. Uh, who wants to play Mouse Guard? So that, and then... They, the GM comes up, and then all the players come up, and they go, okay, he only has room for five people. There's eight. Uh, let's look at everyone's badges. Okay, okay. You're, uh, you're a chupacabra. You're the lowest one in this list, so you're not going to get to play this one. Oh, that's weird. And so it's <laughs> like... I mean, I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. It also feels sort of like you're in some kind of like British dystopia science fiction where they're like present your badge and, right. you're the, and they're like and they're like to the execution chamber right. with you and so you go back and then they do the next game and then they ask who wants to play this game and so um it was this it was interesting because i actually was the last one so then they're like okay and now we've got dungeon world and at that point they're like who wants to play dungeon world so everybody's gotten pick of these other games and then I get like three people who come up and they're like, I guess we'll play Dungeon World. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, so I had like a, a husband and a wife and then uh, this other guy 
and and so we go back into the room and because this is one of those cons kind of like jim's doing with crit hit right. this year where you get like a private room you get your own private room okay and so you have to keep the door open and uh, and all that that's kind of cool but you have your own private room so that was very nice and then i'm sitting in there and i was like okay so what do you guys know about dungeon world and they're all like nothing we've never so the, like what's the, dungeon world the wife had never played a role-playing game before the, cool. the, Good. the husband it's a great guy game. was like this is D&D, right? And I'm like, no, it's no, it's not D&D. Um, and the other guy goes, I bought Dungeon World, but I didn't understand it. Yeah. So I said, okay, cool. And then a fourth guy ended up joining us a little bit later because he didn't, all the other games were full. So he was like, I guess I'll play Dungeon World because I want to play something. Sure. Um, and I asked him and he's like, I've never played Dungeon World before. <laughs> he's like, well, I've heard of it. It's like the easiest game in the world to play. Yeah, so. it's super easy to play. And so... Um, we got into it. And we had a really good, t- a really good time. I basically didn't do any prep for it. I just rolled in with a little two-page starter adventure called the Shallow Sea. Um, did did was, you write it, or did somebody else write no, it? No, it was just something that I found online. You found it online. It was, it was like a, a jump start for an adventure, and it was basically like, here's a setting called the Shallow Sea. Uh, here's the stuff that's in the setting, like the monsters. Here's things that, like, uh, here's moves you can do that are unique to the setting, and go. It didn't give you Sweet. any story. It didn't give you anything to, to do. And so I kind of had to start off explaining you're in the shallow sea. You've been traveling for a while. You're like dehydrated. You've been exposed to the elements. Why are you out here? Ah, uh, yeah. The and player so, agency aspect of Dungeon World. How right. did they respond and to that? Right away, they were kind of like, what? And I was like, well, you've been sent here for a reason. Someone sent you here. Why were you sent here and who sent you here? And the guy who was playing the bard, there's a guy who owned Dungeon World, but said he didn't understand it. He's like, oh, we were sent to get the Duke's horn that's been stolen. Okay. And I was like, okay. I was like, so the Duke sent you? He's like, yes, the Duke sent us to get his horn. And on his bard sheet, he had, I have a horn that's been stolen. So he had stolen the Duke's horn and he had it. Uh, <laughs> all right and well okay and he's so interesting that, yeah so it was i was like okay this this might be over hilariously fast um and then it was what threats are there and they're like oh well we like we feel this like impending sense of doom like there's something wrong and i was like okay why does this present a problem for you and they're like oh well we're starting to give in to like despair that we're never going to find this horn that like <laughs> there's no way to track it because it's in this ocean and like there's no tracks how are we going to find this thing all the players are killing themselves and the bard's like whoa yeah, yeah bummer dude yeah, tough tough break guys <laughs> yeah god and so it was one of those where we kind of collaboratively built up the world and then they went and they they found this boat with these like water people on it and they went to talk to them and the water people were like, oh, well, there's the legend of the horn of the shallow sea that gives you dominion over the shallow sea, control over the weathers and the waters. And so they were like, okay, where's that? And they were like, well, the frogmen took it eons ago to their temple and they've like used control over it to, to plague this region and... And control it. So they went off to like this temple. Fuck those guys. Time to kill them all. Yeah. that was. So they, <laughs> they went off to this temple. They go, they find this horn, like they, and there's this demon in this temple, like who's, who's, uh, there's all these like sculptures because it's a sunken temple. 
uh, sure. kind of I a mean, standard of, of the course. Genre. There's always a sunken temple. So they go in and like there's these like angular fish guards in the sunken temple. They fight their way there. They like could deal with a bunch of like problems with weather and all these other things. They get the horn. The bard's like, oh look, I found the Duke's horn in the temple too. <laughs> Which is, was the thing getting rough or something? Or no, was he-, he just decided like, oh, I found the I found the horn he's here like, as well. He's like, you know what? I want this adventure to be over. So well, just to give him cover because we were actually getting very close. We were about 20 minutes from the end of the thing anyway. He was just trying to find a way to like produce the horn at a, at a time that wouldn't draw suspicion on himself but he'd been playing it the whole time so everybody had been <laughs> playing the horn yeah he'd been playing the horn when he was doing his bard stuff and so they come back with this sea horn and they give it to the to the water people and they celebrate and give them a trash full of treasures and jewels they go back to the duke and give him his horn back um, and then that was the end of the and adventure. And then the Duke hangs the bard. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so they go back. Goodbye, yeah. bard. They you go back treacherous and it's like, bastard. It was very much like, oh, yes, we have our horn. Like, everybody's happy. The end. And so it was very fascinating because it was at any moment that bard could have just thrown that entire game into disarray. And that's kind of the, the conceit of Dungeon World is you have to give up that narrative control to the players and go like, hey, do what you want. And I'll just adjudicate. And Do, do you have a link to that shallow sea thing? Yeah. You think you could put it on the webpage when we post this episode? Yeah, for sure. I so, can totally put that up there. It's I'd a, like to see it. It's very interesting. It, it it's it, it those little starters are there's not oh, a lot yeah. of depth to them. You um, don't need it. But you don't need it. You don't need it. That's so, the that's the thing you learn about role playing. Yeah. And then after that was the Blood Spatter Bride, so I spent some time um dealing with that and doing kind of our our promotional stuff at that. Then there was a large. Did you get to sit in on that, or did no? You see any I of didn't it? feel comfortable sitting in. Yeah, on that. that's it, always weird. Like, be, it lends a weird I don't energy. want to be that guy in the corner. Yeah, and, like yeah. John Wick was in there, and I was like, "This is going to be fine." Like that dude knows what's up. So <laughs> yeah, John Wick's great. Yeah, he's super cool. And so, uh, so Sarah, so I was like, "This is going to be a great room. They're going to have a great time." So then I went out. There was a LARP going on. I kind of sat in and watched the LARP. Now um, this had this LARP had a weird name. It was like, whenever when you say LARP, I always I used to just think that was synonymous with the vampire. And right. Then I learned that there were cyberpunk LARPs, and I thought that was kind of cool. Right. Then I learned that there were actual like medieval fantasy LARPs, which I thought was like completely bonkers. And they made those documentaries about them. It turns out mm-hmm. those are actually the oldest of the LARPs. But then you said that you were they were playing this LARP. I didn't even know what it was. What yeah, was it called? Slayer Cake. Slayer Cake. Right. What is Slayer? Cake? So Slayer Cake is like a battle of the bands where essentially. Essentially, it's like, oh, you, there were these, everybody came in and then they tried to form bands and they were competing for the title of like Lords of Metal or whatever. It was very um, like Metalocalypse, like if you, that show on Cartoon Network or whatever. Well, that's kind of, sounds kind of like this game I have called Umlaut. That could a, be like that. It's, it's, it's only a LARP form. Right. So, you know, they were like, oh, do you? And, and I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, like the only way that I would want to participate in this is if I just do Dr. Roxo the entire time from Metalocalypse. And that's just going to be obnoxious. Like no one wants to hear me just, I do cocaine the entire time. So um, I just kind of sat in and watched and it was like, it was like, they, you know, those lip sync battle things that are like big on TV no well there's like the lip sync battle stuff there's like a show and it's lip sync battles and they're always like like i see them on facebook every once in a while someone will post like a lip sync battle performance heinous and so it was part like role playing of the bands and the drama of the bands and then part like and and a lot of lip sync battle stuff wow yeah oh man dude for reals yeah for reals Whew, that's rough 
Oh man, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know that that just uh, that does not sound like something I would want to play. Uh, so I w- I just watched and I was like waiting for someone to get stabbed by the bikers, which didn't happen thankfully um because at this point you were sharing some space with them at this point we were sharing space with them yeah Mm, and it was like it was just like dude if i were if i had been in that game i would not have been comfortable with what was happening at that point um but they uh they played it and they finished it up so that was all fine and then uh sunday morning i basically just got up and had to head back so that was essentially like so what is your overall takeaway on new mexican 2018 did you have a good time i had a are you going back what's the plan i had a great time i'd love to go back it was very focused on like indie type games i love it i I love that i'd like to have much more of a plan of what i'm going to do because I was actually talking to one of the guys, and I was like, yeah, I thought about running Vampire, like the alpha. And the guy's like, well, why didn't you? He's like, I'd love to play Vampire. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't think this was the crowd for that. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to go back and, and, and play you know, play with those guys again. And I had a really good time. It was super fun. All the people I met were really great. Um, yeah, I, I would totally love to go back and do it again. I had a really, a really good time. Uh, what I would say is... Um, <laughs> I will get someone to go with me next time so I can split up driving duties. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, I think I think uh we'll both go next year. Yeah, because because after a while on the road. Yeah, man. I thought you were I thought you were a little bit nuts doing that drive, but mm-hmm. I've done the I've done the the Phoenix to L.A. a right. number of times solo, and there is something kind of cathartic, and you're out there on the road, and you're like you're like your your own man, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like behind the wheel or yeah. whatever, and you're like, all right, I was like, I was like, let him do the thing. Yeah, it's fine. Know? It's just I, yeah. Next time, I need to make sure that all of my music stuff is working. Before oh, I dude. head out, crazy. That was the downside. That's was crazy talk. I had a single Nick Cave CD, F- Fulio. Um, that that I had already like that's already well worn because it's just the one that I left in the car. <laughs> I probably listened to that thing a million times at this point. At this point, when I drive out to LA, mm-hmm. I actually pace my travel on how many podcast episodes it takes me to get from one place to another. Oh, okay, and let me tell you. There are certain 40K podcasts mm-hmm. that are like, the the drive from Phoenix to LA is two 40K podcasts. So it's like, Damn, you can son. just, yeah, you can just be like, you just sit there and like listen to these guys mm-hmm. going, so then in round three, right. I moved the jump marines forward and you're just like, you, know, you just <laughs> just drive, man. You're just like taking it all in. Like, all right. You know, yeah, because you, know, you don't have to think about that drive very much. Anyway, it sounds like it was a good time, dude. Yeah, it was. It was I'm very blast. envious. I, I didn't get to go. I'm very envious. Did you get any sopapillas while you were over there, dude? I had one sopapillo while I was there, so I didn't. I didn't get a ton of sopapillas. Oh, I did man. hit up a used bookstore and I picked up a copy of The God That Crawls for Lamentations for fifteen bucks. That's pretty. It's fucking like a brand new condition. It's got the like pullout map in the back. With Fuck. The, so I was like, holy shit, this well, is like, this is amazing. And I also got uh, Bluebeard's Brides and the Book of Rooms from Magpie Games, which the Book of Rooms is a supplement for Bluebeard's Brides. And th- this homie, like, he hits me up on mm-hmm. Saturday. He's like, yo, you want anything from the Magpie table? Yeah. And then I didn't see it for like 10 hours, the, <laughs> the message. And then when I finally saw it, I was like, yeah, how about Bluebeard's Bride? And he's like, they closed the, sh- they closed the table already, dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, it's gone. Eh, all right. And all it's right. gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I felt really bad, but no. I was like, yeah, that... That table's been closed for a couple hours now. It's well, uh, it ain't there. Well, you know, we're we're supposed to be at Gen Con this year, so I'm sure that there'll be one or two of uh, uh, 
copies of Bluebeard's Bride floating around up there. I am sure there will be. It's a really dynamite looking game. Yeah, no uh, doubt. And the books are gorgeous. So. No doubt. How about you? You did Watch the Skies. How was Watch yeah. the Skies? The Arizona's first metagame, right? Me- mega game. Mega game. Mega not game. Mega game. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Andrew Long, our friend, uh, friend of the show, Andrew Long, who yep. does uh, uh, Arizona, Arizona Game, game Fair, Fair mm-hmm. um, he invited uh, this group called Watch the Skies out there. Uh, it's a game within West Coast Mega Games. Now, apparently, there's a number of different of these like Mega Game coalitions, and they ru- some of them run Watch the Skies, and they run it differently. But this is the west coast mega games version of watch the skies right and there's a euro version right like yeah. the of like the first version yeah the first one's from the uk right so um i didn't really understand what the mega game was and uh to be totally honest it didn't, didn't strike me as the kind of thing i'd be interested in and then this series of events happened that led me to to participate it's so one of those things you can we, how you can never predict life so i'm at home and heather is watching parks and rec and it's these dudes, and they and there's an episode where they do model UN with like the local high school, and I'm like, that looks like fun. I could do something like that. And then like literally the next day, Andrew Long came on Facebook. And he's like, Yo, I'm still looking for some controllers to help out with this uh, Watch the Skies game. Who wants to be a controller? And I was like, I shall do it. It's model UN with aliens. With aliens, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I shall do it for the podcast because I am interested in different kinds of gaming. So a mega game, as it turns out, is this huge, like 70 plus people who are playing the game, right? Group of players that get broken up into these little mini games. Okay. The players all show up as teams, like teams of five. Okay. And then each person on the team has a particular role on the team. And there's a phase in the game where they all work together. And then there's another phase where they break up and then they each go play a mini game. The results of which influence all the other mini games that are going on. And therefore the overarching meta game. Then there's a third phase in which... They can do whatever they want. They can either go back to their team and work with their team, or they can keep working on their mini game, or they can go work with any of the other mini games. This sounds super complicated. Oh my god, this is so complicated! It was so fucking complicated, dude. So, um, because that was the one thing I kept seeing people like, I don't understand the rules. Yeah, and I dude. Was like, oh, dude, it was ooh, that's bad. It was crazy. So, like, each team was a country, and then they had to have a head of state. They had to have a science division, they had to have a UN ambassador, and they had to have a general, and I think there might have been another role, but I'm not, I can't remember, I can't really remember. Did you get countries like North Korea and Ghana and stuff, or? There was no North Korea. North Uh Korea, I think, was an NPC nation. That's the thing, is there's a a group, there's a group called NPC Control, Mm -hmm. and they play every country that isn't represented by players, players, which is like... 300 nations right. or something you know Dude, i would totally want to play north korea well you if you're an npc control you have to play like there's like three or four in our game there was only one dude during doing npc control because apparently they were having a tough time getting controllers 
uh, but they're supposed to be like three or four. So you'd have to be playing like 400 countries or like a hundred countries. If, even if it was going well, you have to like a hundred countries that you're, that you're re- yeah, required to take care of. Yeah, exactly. Then there are teams of aliens. They play the aliens, right? And the alien, cause there's different alien races that are coming to earth and they have, um, like a different agendas. And then there's a, there's an overall, so it's kind of like almost like a like a degeneration tracker for vampire. Only it's for the it's for the planet, and it's called a terror track. So that each each region and the and the world is broken up into like seven regions, experiences a different level of terror based on how like the global economic like situation is working. And if ever you reach a certain threshold, your country or region descendants the anarchy and and the and essentially society begins to collapse everywhere so you're trying to keep society from melting down as aliens reveal themselves and start bartering technology and start going to war with each other and start going to war with the different countries of earth and all this shit um i was the assistant controller for the United Nations because I was like, oh, hey, Model UN, I want to do Model UN. So I was part of the Model UN. But because I was the assistant controller, basically it was being run by this lady who had played in a few of these before. She like drove all the way down here from North California to run it. And I was kind of like her gopher. I was like, I was just kind of like this henchman that would like help her out with like a lot of the bureaucratic stuff. I kind of like run around and do some record keeping, you know, but she was in charge of the big swaths of the game. Um, this made for a long day because <laughs> it wasn't like I was really actually playing all that much. Um, I was mostly just kind of doing like, if you were like an intern type stuff, like go over here and get these copies and go over here and talk to this guy and go over here and talk to that guy. And so I'd have to do stuff like, oh, this is what's going on in the UN. I'd have to go to NPC control. I'd have to figure out what's going on in the UN. I'd have to go to the globe control, which is where the big, all the, all the battles were going on. I'd have to be like, okay, there's UN peacekeepers here and there's UN peacekeepers there. And we have refugee crisis guys here and observers over here and all this stuff. And then I'd have to talk to the game master control about like what was happening with those particular tokens in the game. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, your UN peacekeepers went into Syria and they were all killed by ISIS. Like that kind of shit was going on. (laughs) And then I'd have to go back and I'd have to go back to the UN and I'd be like, those peacekeepers that you deployed are all dead. What do you want to do about that? And they'd be like, and then they'd have to sit there in deliberation and be like, well, do we raise money to send more peacekeepers in? And, and then, and then game control will come back and say like, what are the orders of the peacekeepers? Are they there to fight the rebels or fight the government? Or are they there to fight ISIL? Who are they there to fight? And mm-hmm. it, was, it was, it was incredibly complicated. Each round was 40 minutes long and we played, 13 rounds like back to back to back there is no space Oof. in between rounds it's just goes go 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 breaks. there's no breaks so like you kind of like figure out when you can kind of like when when they're when the, when the players are in there like called team phase where mm-hmm. they're kind of conferring with each other they're not doing anything with your your aspect of it so you do use that time to eat and go to the bathroom and yeah. you know check your facebook or whatever ask Adam to buy you bluebeard's bride books that kind of that kind of <laughs> stuff um but otherwise, it's just like you're doing all this stuff. And then, and then get this. So 
because each phase of the each 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 round of the game constitutes a certain amount of time in game okay which is three months so years start passing in the game and um the un security council in real life it changes its members right so the initial player character countries start rotating off unless they pass a provision that says player character countries don't rotate off right and these guys i don't know if they thought that there was some sort of power play to be made by like voting out their like buddies but they made no provision to like keep themselves on the security council so at a certain point in the game the 15 chair UN Security Council was manned by 10 NPCs that were being run by me and this lady. Mm-hmm. And in order to pass a resolution, you needed 10 votes. Right. So basically the NPCs could just do whatever they wanted. Right. The NPCs were just the NPCs were making the policy and like the and like that kind of like a game experience and the agency of the players had been completely like removed from them if she and I decided to make it be that way. Right. What's worse is that like every time Every time I try to talk to this lady about like how the countries are going to vote, it's like she didn't feel like we could just play the countries ourselves. And she would go, well, ask NPC control how these countries vote. So then I'd go to NPC control, which was one guy playing 300 countries and right. say, okay, the provision is, or the resolution is blah, 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 this. And he, and he just looked at me like, especially towards the end mm-hmm. of the day, I think this dude is getting tired. Right. He goes, they all vote yes. <laughs> He just yeah. everybody votes yes, and I was just like, "This dude doesn't understand what he's doing to the uh-huh. mechanic of this game." Like, right. like he, like the the NPCs are basically just running the game, and the player characters aren't actually doing anything. So, I'm not gonna lie. At a certain point, I just started doing my own thing, yeah. and like, and whenever she would say, "Well, what does NPC control say about the votes?" I'd say, "Uh," and then I just make that my own. Right to try and keep the game just sort of interesting for mm-hmm. these for these players, and I, I would do stuff. I do like a little bit of role playing, like but what it basically came down to, because like so much stuff was centering around Syria, is I'd be like, is this country? Do I know that this country is like majority Muslim or not? And right. I mean, it was like just that simple and like and and like and kind of, and lame. I mean, it was lame. I, I, I wish I had had a more, more time and like. Uh, leeway to show like more uh, sophistication in my responses but hey you know that's what we got did it seem like the players had fun uh at certain points the players looked like they were having a blast right it looked really fun and engaging i'm not gonna lie like um at the height of the funness of the game when the aliens had revealed themselves to humanity and they were making these different power grabs to try and form alliances with different countries and the countries were forming military alliances with and against each other and I was just like man if one of these things ever comes back I'm being a player this being a controller is fucking weak sauce compared to playing but at a certain point, the game... I mean, everybody just kind of started running out of steam. Right. You know, we were yeah. just... Everybody started getting tired. So it went on for what? Like 11 hours or something? Yeah. I had to get there... That's a long day. I had to get there like two hours before the game started to start setting up and... I, it was like, brutal. I definitely know that I've played games of like Axis and Allies and Twilight Imperium where I have hit a point like after hour nine or something where I'm just like... I don't care anymore. Don't give a fuck. Let's burn it all. You yeah, know, man. And you just kind of, uh, well, that's in, would you do it what, again? What really happened is that there was like a crescendo at this moment mm-hmm. when, um, the aliens, for some reason, the aliens that Richard was a member of, yeah. 
I went back and talked to him. I was like, what's going on? And he's all like, these fucking humans, we've been trying to interact with them. They keep kidnapping us. They won't listen to our <laughs> messages. I just don't care anymore. He, he got really angry. Yeah. And, he, and he nuked Beijing. And he's like, it's like, so, so, so uh, the entire southern, southeast Asian, like, region just went into free fall. Yeah. Just went into free fall. And then, like, all the different countries didn't know what was going on. So they started fighting each other. The best part of it was that they had, like, a little mini kind of, like land set up so that there was like these TVs in each room and like um uh news stories would pop up on the screen with like with like cool like logos there was a GNN and a Badger News and then this one called Hyp- Hypno Wars that was in the InfoWars font nice. <laughs> and then these headlines being run by the media team would pop up and um kind of informing everybody else in the different different areas because you play we played this in this huge warehouse where we were all broken up into different rooms all the time right. it was the spiel pro warehouse right yeah yeah and yeah. uh, uh, andrew got us in the spiel pro warehouse and um it was it was it was absolutely nutty uh at one point this guy who was playing the egyptian ambassador you he, he ran into the room we'd been in deliberations for a little bit and he ran into the room we were in this very long hallway and he was all flushed from running and he flops down into the chair he goes <laughs> hey guys what's new and like literally at that exact second this story pops up on the ticker huge screen behind us and it just says egyptian prime minister assassinated shot in head in front of in front of massive crowd <laughs> and it was just like i mean you couldn't have timed it better he didn't know he nice. didn't know that. that happened between him like leaving the room and running down the hall nice you know hey guys what's new uh, <laughs> prime know? minister's dead yeah um that's pretty great so i mean i I think I would be willing to try it again as a player. I I don't know if I would want to control again. It's, it's it was very difficult. It was it a sounds lot. Sounds like it. It sounds like it, it sounds like they were running it with less of a crew than they wanted to, it's which true. may have exacerbated the problem. I think it did. Um, Andrew kind of was doing some sort of like thinking about it in the like retrospect where he was like Mm -hmm. what's the balance between fun and technicality because it was like very clear that they were trying to do a very seriously like um like uh simulationist game Mm -hmm. and um i don't know man i i i'm with him i feel like it i feel like there were certain aspects of it that were really fun and really engaging but I personally missed a lot of connection. And I think that that's just because my friends were all on different teams. And I was basically, I was sitting in a room where the only person who I was talking to consistently was a lady who I had never met until that day. And it's not like she and I were really friends or anything. We were more like kind of like coworkers, you know? Yeah, it seems like if you're stuck in a given area, you're probably not going to know what's going on outside of it. And you may lack context of what's actually happening. Well, I mean, but that's part of the fun. Right. No, but making it, that these decisions. definitely seems like that's going to be part of the whole experience is that like sense of disassociation yeah. of everything that's going on. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, there was one point when like I saw like a Russian guy come outside the the UN room and he makes eye contact with the Russian ambassador I just hear him mouthing what the fuck what the fuck and I was just like I don't know what's going on with the Russians but that's awesome <laughs> so it was it was cool it was cool uh, it was not I don't know man I, I was like you on Sunday I just slept all day yeah. I was supposed to play Rogue Trader with uh, um, oh, I didn't sleep all day I drove all day oh yeah <laughs> you're right you're right 
I, was I wanted to, to sleep all day. I, I was supposed to play Rogue Trade with Alex and those guys, and I was just like, I called them. I was like, I'm not playing fucking Rogue Trade, dude. I'm going to sleep. My crash so. happened last night. Like, I, like I, I, I came back. <laughs> we did game club, Role and I got club. home last night, and just like completely fell apart like like as a human being just completely stripped bare and deconstructed i i don't know if uh the marine corps would really see that as being probably not they probably would be like yo let's let's go let's dig deeper yeah let's let's see how much further we can push you like are you crying adam yeah no it's it wasn't quite that bad but it was definitely like i started feeling really lousy and like I hit that point where I was so tired, like, I couldn't sleep. You ever get to that point? Oh, yeah, no, that's a thing. That was, like, I got, like, I could not sleep. Like, I went to, I, I went and laid down when I got home at, like, 10 and did not fall asleep until after 2. Just because I was, like, so tired I couldn't sleep. Jesus. You're just laying there like, oh, my God, I can't deal with this anymore. I guess it's up to me to take it out, huh? It's up to you to take it out. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Full Metal RPG. We really appreciate you, as always, taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Um, we have a Patreon. I don't know if I've mentioned it in this episode. Adam, have I mentioned the Patreon? You did. We have a Patreon. We the Patreon. And you still have, if you're listening to this on the 30th, you still have hours to contribute to the May fundraising in which you will get access to, uh, at, at the appropriate pledge levels, um, the May giveaway and the May issue of Horrorism or the May issue of Survivalism coming from Adam and Brendan. These are very limited zine slash newsletter type artifacts that w- when they are gone, my friends, they're gone. Um, if you want to in- interact with us in the world of social media, uh, the Instagram has been hopping right along at FullMillRPG. We've been doing some vigorous debating about the new uh, Vampire the Masquerade aesthetic on our Facebook page, FullMillRPG on Facebook. You can get in contact with us, uh, FullMillRPGOfficial at gmail.com. And always, 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 always check out our Facebook, not our Facebook, our fucking webpage, because we can put a lot more stuff on there, and we're really trying to make it a cool place to hang out. And we would love it if you would take the time to peruse some of the stuff that we've written there or maybe some of the back episodes if you uh, aren't 100% caught up on your Full Metal RPG. Anyway, we really appreciate you, Cultists. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us as always. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.